Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome to episode 37. Oh, my God. 37? How already? you feeling, Frank? How Damn. was today's I feel, episode? I feel mature. 37 episodes in. That's it. It's like yeah. being 37 years old. This is crazy. Perfectly man. ripe. Anyways, <laughs> on today's episode, <laughs> we sat down with the one and only Rob Ali. Is that is that your full last name? I wanted to ask you that. Yeah, yeah. That's my full last That's your full last name? Yeah. Ali? Okay. Very nice. 100%. Love it. Rob is gorgeous, a, gorgeous. I love it. Strength coach. But better than that, Rob is a beast, bro. Rob Hashtag deadlifts press. 735 pounds. He benches 380, which he's not proud of. That's a yeah. fucking lot of weight. He said only. <laughs> he said only said 380. Kind of bothered And me then he bit. squats <laughs> 675 pounds. The fuck is that? I squat to take a shit. <laughs> That's all I squat. Anyway, Rob is uh, fifth in the you got this, Justin. USAPL, fifth in the the, the nation. <laughs> the nation, fifth in the nation. Yeah, that's that's pretty up there. It's pretty good. Dude. It's pretty up it's there. Pretty Anyways, this episode we talk about um, competition. Competition. Start with competition. Course. The positives and negatives of competition. How do we feel about it? How do we feel it has influenced society? Participation trophies. That. Also, we then talked about steroids and its involvement in it. A little bit, a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. And then we talked about deadlift technique for a little bit, but then we got into, we got deeper into Rob's life, his journey, what got him into powerlifting, what made him the man he is today, and then got into a couple of uh, traveling stories, which are very interesting, so stay tuned for those. Yeah, we traveling Thailand, Rob's, Rob's bringing Spoiler. powerlifting to thailand right now yeah like some people bring water to africa he brings powerlifting <laughs> to thailand and that's what's up yeah we're lifting all over the world well great great podcast awesome conversation. you guys will enjoy it amazing guy you're gonna laugh yeah now you guys are gonna enjoy this we sipped bourbon oh yeah by the way rocket fuel cheers all right guys enjoy <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> So you graduated from school but still have no idea what the fuck is going on? Good, because that was the point. Now you're just another mindless pawn in the system. But luckily, you stumbled upon the Young Minds Podcast where we tackle the most up-to-date and relevant topics with unfiltered discussion aimed at optimizing this video game that we call life. Alright, sexies, it's now time to dim the lights, sit back, relax, and open up that mind. And before we begin this journey, we kindly ask you to keep your hands and feet in the craft at all times. And while you're at it, leave us a beautiful review on iTunes or Facebook. Thank you. The video. So we're feeling pretty good. Okay. So we were just talking <laughs> about, um, first off, bourbon. We were just talking about. Dude, I can't even drink this shit. So this is the <laughs> first time in a very long time that I've had straight liquor. Like just by itself. I don't think I I've had ever, Jaeger. I don't think I've ever had straight. Either. I've been able to do Jaeger tequila shots, just because I know how I feel after tequila shots. I'm like, all right, let's just get there. <laughs> let's put it down as quick as we can because it tastes like shit no matter what. But to have like the the mature man drink right here, man, with the <laughs> the big pieces of ice. This is I feel official, dude. And every time I drink it, I'm like, I'm gonna do it right now. It burns. I feel it go down. It's intense, yeah. but it's like I do like the flavor. Like if you really sit there and you say, hmm. What's going do on you here? Though? I do like. You? The, I don't like the the punch in the face, the initial one, but I like the after. You know what I'm saying? What's kind of like wine. I used to never like wine. Elijah Craig. Elijah Craig. Yeah. Um. I I haven't had this one ever. I had Eagle Rare. I've had uh, Henry McKenna. A couple other ones, but like 
I don't know. I'm getting into it, man. Like my friend, shout out to Justin, who I probably won't hear this, but I'm gonna shout out. I'm gonna tell him in person. Um, <laughs> he's the one who got me into all this, and he's like become like somewhat of a connoisseur. And I went up to his house the other day, and um, he pulled out like 19 bottles and just like telling me, like, "Oh, this one, this way, this one, this way." And he's like, he knows everything so there's to know about bourbon. It. He's least, super into oh it. Oh my god, insane, insane. So now he's getting me into it. Damn. Were you always into into a specific liquor? Like, were did he take you from whiskey to bourbon or something? Like, did he convert you? Not really. I mean, like, <laughs> I've I've like dabbled here and there. Like, people would just say, "Oh, a Black Label is a good drink." I'll just oh, just go with that. So I just tried it here and there. But he is I don't know how to describe it because to he to him he would probably say he's not an expert. Mm-hmm. But to me, I'm like. I, you know when you talk to somebody and they're like super passionate about something and then all of a sudden you start getting passionate about it because it kind of like seeps into you a little bit? Fucking Young that, Minds Podcast, That's bro. exactly it. So <laughs> that's what he did to me. And I'm like, oh my God, now I got to try it. Yeah. No, so. dude, and that's 100% because every time I talk to somebody who's really passionate about something, it always gets me fired up no matter what it is. So like my friend Pete, he's a bow hunter and I never cared for a bow, never cared to shoot, thought archery was kind of like just what... Uh, kids who love math do like just like some nerdy <laughs> shit and i was like this is, i've uh, never heard that before was, not kids who love math but like just nerdy kids it's it, like it. eh, i don't i don't think that's cool then he just kept harping on it harping on it, harping on it and he's like dude you'll love it i know you'll love it you're all into zen and all this stuff and i'm like i guess i'm into zen whatever but he keeps using that he's like dude it's zen it's zen i was like all right sure and i uh, picked up a bow for the first time and i was like dude now I get it because I was with him. He's passionate about it. He was teaching me everything and right. they sized me up for the bow and I got it all dialed in. I was like, this is something that you wouldn't know you'd love until you tried it. Right. right? So like bourbon is like, uh, I guess. And then if you have someone there saying so like, no, no, see, this one was crafted with a, a maple barrel. It's different when right. they teach you. You know, you're just like, oh, a maple barrel? What? I thought it was all just from this giant vat and then it just made in a factory and just for profits and all this shit. It's like, no, no, it's made right. with care and there's this there's a, a culture behind it and a method. And then you start to appreciate it. Yeah, he was telling me actually, I thought that you can make bourbon anywhere, anytime you want. And he was telling me that it's all dependent on the environment. So like, for example, in like Scotland, that's a different type of whiskey, scotch, right? Mm-hmm. But like in one area of Scotland, it's totally different climate than in another area of Scotland versus another area. And so they can't ever replicate those same conditions anywhere. So that type of scotch can only come from that part of Scotland. It's like uh, champagne. Champagne has to come from fucking champagne. Champagne, <laughs> champagne <laughs> France. It has to come from that region of France. Right. Because of the way they grow it, the, the fucking, the way the wind, I remember in, in a winery, the way the wind brushes against the side of a mountain into the vineyard changes the fucking taste of the wine. I'm just like, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> like, you can get into some deep deep rabbit holes with this stuff yeah oh yeah yeah because it's like how much do i believe it right like how much (laughs) yeah yeah, there's there's an element of that too taking me on a ride right now or what are we doing here you know like i don't trust you you know like when with wine where it's like oh this was aged in a barrel for 60 years i'm like all right 60 years does that differ from 20 like how's it gonna taste like what what am i looking at here like tell me what i'm missing out on Mm. if i was to drink this shit it's cool it's fun to do it though It definitely is. And honestly, it's a placebo effect on every level, no matter what. So, like, if you oh, buy totally. into it, you'll enjoy it more. So, like, who's who's really lo- who's winning here? You are. You know, like, if you if you buy into it. It could be a placebo effect or it could just be, like, <laughs> you were talking right before we started the podcast that um, 
this generation could be like a, a culture of either passion or a complete opposite spectrum and like laziness in a way, right? Mm-hmm. So like, th- at least in our generation, I feel like the more knowledge we have, the more passion we have, or rather, I was trying to get that way, the more knowledge we have, the more passionate we can be. And this age, we can do a lot. We can, especially with the internet and, you know, online coaching, which we can get into later and all that stuff sort of, um, you can you can dive in deep, and then people are able to pursue their passions, right? Then yeah. they have also the opposite, where people just like ah, there's so much easy things I could do now, or things I don't have to do, so I could just kind of like. Well, it's take very a easy. Break. It's very easy to be a consumer nowadays. Yes, you can just live sure. your whole life just consuming stuff. Yeah. Just consume, consume. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do any work. You don't have to be passionate about anything. You can just live a life at your house on your couch with all these online programs. Uh, you know Netflix and Amazon, and you could just consume and yeah, just like, live a life of zero passion. But it, that catches up to you, I think. I think that slaps you across the fucking face pretty hard. Yeah, for sure. And I think people are finding that finding that out. Yeah, because you got a lot of people now. Like we used to have the issue of you play too many video games, right? Right. You're, you're always on that system. You're always playing video games. Now you have people who are watching people play video games. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just playing the video games. Now it's like, now we have consumers of people who are consumers. It's a very weird culture. Now we have like this, you have spectators of people who are professional uh, gamers, people who just have a skill here and there. But now it's so accessible that, you know, you have your average consumer that just now is a consumer. Like, you're right. You brought up that people are just almost professional consumers. Because now we they grew up comfortable. You know, there's no struggle. There's no need to go out there, grind, make money because mom and dad have, uh, you know, a shelter over your head. And it's like, why would I need to pursue anything when I have there's no sense of urgency? You know, I mm-hmm. can just kind of go with the wind and not really find any passion. But with the Internet at our fingertips and with the accessibility, if you have a passion, I mean, you just run with that shit. Now you could actually capitalize on it. You could make money. You could go deeper into it. You know, like without Google, I mean, I'd be. I'd be lost. I really wouldn't know how to learn much of the shit that I I know. You know, most of my research is from the internet. Free, uh, it's free. It's open to me. As long as I know how to search, I'll find it. You know, and it really is just a matter of burning that own your own fire under your ass. You know, hundred percent. So, um, beautiful. Well, with that being said, dude, I want to dive into into you, into how this man. Who's like the fit guy, the fucking strength man, the power lifter, tenth in the world. And you just drink, you just drinking. You're cool with drinking. Like I feel like that's so, you know, no one, no one else would do that. But you're just like, yeah, man, I'm fucking strong as hell. I'm out here deadlifting <laughs> thousands of pounds and drinking my bourbon. I mean, <laughs> people will say that like if they see me eating something that's considered quote unquote unhealthy, right? And they're like, oh, I know you can't do that. You're training to be a competitive athlete. You're trying to be world champion, all that sort of thing. You have to, you know dot all your I's and cross all your T's and all that. But, I mean, honestly... (laughs) (laughs) If I'm being honest, yeah. (laughs) If I'm being honest, it would... You know, you have to have some sort of, like, you know, psychological, like, lazy boy chair. If you want to... Like, for example, like, you know, if if I'm training really hard, you know, for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks, dieting, if I want to crack open a bourbon here and there to keep myself sane from all the training that I have to do, all the dieting I normally have to do, then I'm cool with it. You know? Will you do that for like sometimes in a contest prep? Um, it, once I get closer to contests, then I'm not going to do it nearly as frequently, and I have a tendency to um, get very, very machine-like as I get like towards competition. So like, 
you know, I stop, I start going out a lot less. I start being a lot less fun for, you know, my friends and unfortunately my girlfriend too, you know, like I, everything becomes about competition, right? So like it, as the competition approaches, you know, it just, all that stuff kind of gets thrown by the wayside and I'm, I'm very, very dialed in, you know, doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, um, but just to a more precise degree. Okay. So bourbon on the off season. Yeah, bourbon on the off season. Right go. now, I'm 12 weeks out from That's the That's the trick. If you guys are trying to deadlift more, bourbon on the off bourbon. season. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you, you brought up competition, and like competition is a really good structure for people. I feel like we're, we've lost the essence of competition in society today because everybody deserves a trophy. You know, we can't designate <laughs> any winners, and that would be offensive to some kids, and, you know, some people just don't have a fair shot. And how do you feel about the the new found kind of like sympathy for everybody who participates and everybody gets, uh, you know, an equal shot at the first place trophy. How do you think that is affecting our upcoming youth? And how do you, you feel that? Shape? He's like, you're telling future. me I'd win first place every competition. It's like, fuck yeah, let's Just do by it. signing up. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to, I'm not sure the audience that's going to listen to this, but I'm for, sure I'll offend some they're people. Winners. But they're oh, all offend winners. Offend everyone, please. Good. Offend. If they're winners, see, then, that's the thing. If they're all, they need to, <laughs> they need to be offended so they get a reality check. I guess if they're all winners, then they definitely don't want a participation trophy. This is true, right? Yeah. Like, it, it don't know. I don't know. It kind of like permeates every fucking level of you know competition, whether whether it's powerlifting or little league or what have you, anything in between. At nationals, um, I competed at nationals in October, um, and after I was done, I took fifth place in the United States for my weight class. So I got a, a medal for that, but I also got a little participation um, Did medal. You? Yeah, when I walked Did off you? the platform, <laughs> they like handed it to me. Okay, here you go. I'm like, oh, you're giving out medals already? And they're like, no, 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 just for competing. And I'm like, what did it say? It just said USA Powerlifting on it. It didn't say anything else. It's just like you know, here you go. So I, I, wow, I thought they only did that for kids. Fucking giving mm -mm. adults participation they, trophies. They did now. the same thing for us. So I, the <laughs> competition was in Washington, right? It was in um, Spokane, Washington. So I was walking from the hotel. I would just threw it away. Did, did I, you? I just threw it away. <laughs> I was walking out of the venue. I'm like, I don't need this. Even if I took first place or I was in, you know, I took like, I don't know, 61st place, you know, something that's like just. I just would have thrown it away. I don't want to be recognized for participation. I know I participated, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, listen, if I I believe that unless you earn something, you shouldn't get a reward for it, right? Obviously, you got to have, like, little supports here along the way, and that's totally different, you know? But in competition, there are winners and there are losers, and that's, you know, it, you know? Winning is an awesome feeling, and it's motivating, but losing is also an equally motivating feeling because it makes you try to correct the things that you weren't able to do, you know, prior to you losing that competition. If if anything, I'd say losing is a bigger lesson than winning. A thousand percent, right? If you won every time. If you like, won every sucks. time. That doesn't suck. But like, it's, it's kind of like, mm. yeah. It well, it'll turn into, ooh, after yeah, some time. like, do I want to keep doing that? I'm just going to keep winning. I know I'm going to win. I know I'm going to win. Yeah, losing creates that... Uh, that want, that drive, that work ethic. Mm. Yeah. That shoulda, coulda, woulda. That burns you mm -hmm. the entire time. You're like, shit. Yeah. Uh, if only I didn't go out on that Thursday night. Like, why did I go out on a Thursday? That's so stupid. And then you move on from there. And then you just correct that. And then you're one step closer to bettering yourself. 
Right. So before we talk about winning, there's got to be a starting point. Right. So let's talk about you and your starting point, how you decided, hey, I'm going to lift, you know, 700 pounds easy. What what did you, Frank, you were watching this video before? Bro, you're a hydraulic press, man. Yeah. (laughs) Just a hydraulic press. That's all I got. Would would you watch before him him deadlift seven thirty five? Was that there was a video of you? No, seven something. At no, oh no, it was it was six something. It was six something. It was six forty, and it I was think he was so like, easy to you. I yeah. was just like, he got down, grabbed it, and just stood right up. Like for me, my shoulders would have rolled forward. I would have. <laughs> I don't think it would have left out. the ground for you. That's what I'm saying. I, just, I would have died <laughs> right there. Oh my god! I saw. I was like, this okay? Fake weights. Fake weights. <laughs> That's it. I'm calling fake weights. Uh, yeah, so explain crazy. explain how you started. Like where what got you like, into it? Yeah, what the, got you into the very beginning? Very beginning, bro. Um okay. We got time. So, honest truth, honest truth. Um I started lifting weights when I was like sixteen. And like for everybody out there who can't see me, obviously I'm on video, so it doesn't matter. But I'm five six, so I'm not that tall. Right, so I'm like, oh, I'm like, fuck, like, you know, girls aren't gonna like me. I'm not tall enough, right? I gotta start lifting weights. That's <laughs> so that's the honest truth why I started getting into it, dude. That's exactly why he started lifting. Really, the choir, dude. He's told the story on but the podcast. I was bodybuilding, but... straight up. Okay, bodybuilding, yeah, it, it was like, but it was I all for care. girls. All, all for, for girls. girls. It started yeah. with actually no. All right, keep going. I, no, it's not about <laughs> me. This is about you. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I just started because of that, and I'm like, oh, I gotta do something, you know. I'm like, so sure, blah blah blah. So I was so insecure about that. You know, so I started working out and all that. And um, I started on a Smith machine, squatting. Uh, <laughs> right? Nice. And, uh, At just, least you started squatting. Yeah, I started squatting. <laughs> yeah, shit, I didn't do like the first two years of chest. lifting. It was... Um, chest and biceps, baby. It was, I, you know, I always liked doing legs for some reason. I don't know why. I was always drawn to that. Because you so, have fucking tree trunks. That, that, Probably had tree that, trunks at nah, 16 too, man. That time I was a twig, bro. I was a twig. <sighs> I find but, that so hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you pictures after we're done. I'd love to see them. (laughs) But um, yeah, I started just working out and just kind of like hauling weight. And I was like, I started kind of liking the idea of being unassuming where um, you're right. I'm right. Every time I take a sip, you guys can't see it. But if you watch us on the YouTube video, you see my face. Every time I take a fucking sip, you got to savor it. (laughs) Anyways, continue. um, Sorry. Um, So I started like liking the idea of wanting to be like unassuming where I'm like, I want to like appear small but i also want to like surprise people when i have to actually move something right like lifting a barbell or whatever it is so i don't know why like most guys i feel like want to be like that jack dude who's walking around the gym like impressive just by yeah impressive just by looking at him right and i was like no i mean like i know i'm small i just want to like surprise people like when i actually got to do something athletic or lift away or something like that they're gonna be like what the fuck like this little guy's doing this that was my motivation Right. Once I got past the whole like um, trying to work out for the girls sort of thing. <laughs> right. So I started doing that, trying to push as much weight as I could. And um, I got pretty good at it eventually. And um, my sister was actually the one who told me, it's like, why didn't you try competing in this? So I did some Googling. I found out about a sport called powerlifting. I had no idea what it was at the time. And I saw there was a local competition in Merrick, Long Island, um, RPS. And I just signed up for it, um, did it, and I ended up winning my class. I was uh, t- was 20 at that time, so it was six years ago, and I weighed like 155 or something like that. Damn. But that that like you said, the winning is a motivating um, factor. Like that motivated me 
you know, to be like, oh, oh I can actually, yeah. I'm good at this. You know, I can keep pursuing this. Especially your first one. Yeah. Come out the gates on top. You're just like, wow, hello, yeah. this is me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and nothing against RPS. I mean, like, I, I don't have anything against them at all, but they're... What is RPS? RPS no is the um, the Revolution Powerlifting Syndicate. It's just a federation for powerlifting that I believe, I don't know if they've expanded yet, but they're primarily Northeast. So I competed there just because it was local and there was nothing else that was nearby. So then I was doing some research on other federations that were more strict. Um, you know, I wanted to do something that's drug tested because I knew in RPS there were some people who were definitely using PEDs and I didn't want to compete against people who were on them. Um, I had a much, much more strict view about what they are and who people who take them are then than I do now. But still, um, I wanted to do the strictest, you know, most legitimate organization I could possible. And so I competed I decided to compete for the USAPL, which is a USA Powerlifting, and they're the IPF affiliate for the United States. So I did my first competition um, with them. I actually flew out to Michigan because I wasn't able to get a competition in time that would, that would allow me to do proper training for nationals that year. So I flew out to Michigan um, with my girlfriend, Elizabeth, and we competed. I competed there. Um, I think... I, I think I won that one and um, I qualified for um for nationals went to I nationals think. and uh yeah then I just I, my love for sport kept growing and growing at least as far as an athlete's concerned um I went through a couple of different coaches um first coach I had um was at Blue Collar Barbell in Long Island that was uh Shauna Mendelson Scott Mendelson's um sister so she's a world champion in I forgot her federation now. I want to say it's the IPA, IPA, but she's a world champion in her federation and she's good at what she does. It unfortunately didn't work out with me and her with the coaching, um, but I eventually found uh, my current coach, who's uh, Jason Tromblay from the Strength Guys. He's a co-founder of the Strength Guys and then eventually Ben Escrow from the Novo Nutrition also uh, came along to help co-coach me and they, Jason and Ben work together and it's a, they work beautifully as a team. They're very, very um, evidence-based, so everything they do is just all numbers, and it's proven to work. So, And it's obviously worked for me. I've been with them for four years now, and I've learned a lot from them. Jason's been kind enough to mentor me through my own coaching. And, um, yeah, that kind of just progressed my um, my athletic career and my coaching career up until today. And right now I'm sitting at, a, like, like I said, I took fifth place in the USAPL uh, Raw Nationals in October, and I have the Arnold Classic coming up in uh, March, oh, Yeah. Damn. Where so, is that? Where's that's going to be in uh, Columbus, Ohio? Ohio. It's yeah. Ohio. Arnold's always. Yeah. I knew nothing yeah. about that. Always Ohio. I, just, I thought it was always bodybuilding. That's always what I thought it was. I didn't. It's know actually it like a just... really big expo. So they have bodybuilding, um, powerlifting. You haven't seen uh, Born Strong? Yep, that, Strong Man as well. Yeah. I think I have. on Netflix. On Born Netflix. Strong. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I have. yeah the end. The competition's power. Uh, no, it's strongman. Is it the one with like the chrome plates or like silver plates? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so then where he deadlifts twelve hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> so then I wasn't Bro. paying attention. Twelve hundred? No, what is it? Twelve hundred sixty pounds? Something like that. Eddie Hall. Eddie yeah. Hall, right? Yeah. yeah. Fucking monster. <laughs> it doesn't Bro. even make sense. But that That's guy. But well, you have to realize that he's six <laughs> foot eight, four hundred pounds shredded. Not not shredded, not but shredded like the Viking jeans. Yeah, just yeah. like <laughs> four hundred pounds, six foot eight. What the no, fuck is no, that? Wait, wait, wait. Isn't that the mountain? 
but they're all they're all. No, but isn't the mountain the one who's big and shredded? Though? Yeah, but uh, yes, he's shredded. But, yes, but I'm he's saying the they're was... all that tall. They're all like a couple inches away from each other. But isn't height actually doesn't that play against you in deadlift? Um, it could because like your levers are longer. Yeah, I mean, you have much longer range of motion. Um, and bench too. But if you have all that and size behind you, that's yeah. I don't know, it's, well, they I say that mass maybe. moves mass, but that kind of like to a certain extent. Yes, exactly. Um. Those guys also, I believe, are using a deadlift bar, or it's called an elephant bar. They have, I think, their their bar has more flex to it too. So that's like, people are. Right, you don't are, you don't use a deadlift bar? I don't. No, people are gonna get mad at me for this, but um, deadlift bars make it easier. Sorry. The one. <laughs> all right, so real quick, just for my own knowledge, right? So at Outlift, they have those. They have both. They have, they have both. both. Okay. Yeah. So, so the ones that are the bend, right? They give you that. High, they give you kind of an advantage at the top. Like you go one plate at a time. As you lift, the plates closest towards you lift off the ground, and then it'll right. So basically, the um, the tensile strength of the bar That's the is term. um is lower. So you are able to bend the bar before the actual weights are coming off the ground, right? right. So you get you're able to you know get higher in position you know before you, the actual weights are coming off the ground. So it does make it easier because you're closer to lockout. Mm -hmm. Now, some people argue that it tends to make it more difficult if you don't know how to take the slack out of the bar. But if you always take the slack out of the bar, regardless of the bar you're training on, I don't find it to be any more difficult. I find it actually to be easier. You know, you should always be taking out the slack no matter what before you do the initial pull on your deadlift. Mm -hmm. But that's why I'm saying it's easier. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, because I noticed when I deadlift that outlift, I'm like, I'm so much stronger here depends on the I bar I, so i think it's that bar I yeah think it's because it's, it is definitely bendy yeah so, yeah the rogue power bars are much more stiff than the ones that you're talking about mm -hmm. and then that'll take more effort to get it off the ground because the whole bar comes off as a unit gotcha yeah no that's definitely hard. that's what they have at uh i noticed now at uh i go to lifetime, lifetime. fitness now mm. and they have so two things the bars don't bend at all so like when i used to go to crunch they had that black bar with like the V on it. I don't know what the hell it means. Um, and it would bend. It would bend and the weights were thin weights. Now I noticed they're thick weights. They're the big rubber thick CrossFit ones. And then as you go to three or four plates, it is so much harder as it gets further out. Because it doesn't bend, you're saying? And it doesn't saying? bend on top of that. So now the weight is further away from me and the bar doesn't bend. So now you have two variables and I'm like 25 pounds less than I normally can just from being there. It's just weird how the bar has so much of an effect yeah, on well, it. Yeah, it definitely does because there's um, an element of balance that comes into deadlift as well. You do conventional or... Oh, uh, yeah, conventional. Conventional, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, it's... The farther out the bars, the weight is from the center, I mean, like, the more you're going to have to balance out that weight, right? That's why I, I personally like deadlifting on the cable plates, like the ones that I lift, the, um, mm -hmm. the metal ones, because everything is more um, like centered. Like red ones. Yeah, 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 like the 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 like metal thin. ones that are um. Those are kilograms, right? Yeah, those are kilograms. K. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are like fifty three pounds or something. Yeah, right? something like that, fifty five ish, something around that that oh. mark. Yeah, see, I like that so much, right? Because it's like we were squatting the other day too with it, and I was just like, wow, this is light. Like it felt light with those. Not felt light, but like <laughs> it was like it, the weight is not further away from you, so it's not awkward. Yeah, the distribution <laughs> yeah. is yeah. way different. It feels yeah. it feels different. It feels like I'm heavy. <laughs> Not like the weight on the back is heavy. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and no, I like I know that what you a mean. lot. That's awesome. Before we continue, what what are your your PRs? Um, 
So that just, it just <laughs> happened. Well, that should have been the first question we asked. Like, what the fuck? What are your PRs? I'm writing this shit down. <laughs> um, yeah. So my uh, at Raw Nationals, I hit PRs. Um, on my squat was 623. My bench press was six. Oh, sorry, six. Geez. I was gonna say. I was like, <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually. I like. I looked at everybody. I was like, what? <laughs> everybody in powerlifting knows that my bench press is definitely my weakest link, at least compared to the rest of the class. But it's uh three sixty three. That's where the six came in, and um the deadlift was six forty four, and in the gym, Damn, um so the gym was totally different. That's where I want them to be. The gym, I had a 675 squat, a 380 bench, and a six, uh, sorry, 735 deadlift. Why are the numbers so different? So, okay. So, there's a story behind each one of those. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, the 675 uh, squat, um, that's an unofficial world record. And I You just saw, did that recently. Just recently, yeah, in that lift. Because I saw Nathan Tannis from Australia had just set the IPF world record at 672. I believe it was 305 kilos. So and uh, I was just like, this motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to, I was planning on setting it, you know, at the Arnold unofficially, right? That was like 661 or something like that. And then he had hit, of course, it hit 10 pounds more. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it off program. So that's, I wasn't supposed to be doing it, but I did, you know? So that's the story behind that. That was totally off kilter. And, and I just, you know. So now if you get an <laughs> off, an off, uh, unofficial record yeah right do people respect that or is it uh depends right because <laughs> like, that could, that could just count. be thrown out so easy yeah. like honor it or you mean respect it just yeah like, like people in, in the industry like that guy in australia like is he gonna see okay. that and respect it or like oh, i got what you're saying so i think yeah people do respect it i think people respect it more in competition because the environment and, and the mental state you have to be in is totally different you know there's a, lot, a whole bunch of different elements that complicate the lift you do in uh in competition versus in the gym right in the gym you could be so relaxed you don't have to worry about any other lifting you have to do afterwards um but on the competition once you're done with the squat you have to do three attempts on bench three attempts on deadlift you know you're timed on everything it's not like you can just decide when you want to go on the platform like you have to go up when they call your name you know there's competition you know you may be dehydrated maybe on a diet you know could be going through injuries like uh at nationals um I had gone through pretty significant um, knee pain leading up to the meet. And so I, w I wasn't actually able to really squat for the last two weeks out from nationals. Like I would hit, like for me, it wasn't a lot. It was like 570 something. And I was supposed to do it for triples. And I hit it for one. I have to re-rack the weight. And I was like, I had to lay down an outlift. And I was just uh, incapacitated. I was like, like tears were like welling up because I was in so much pain. I had to like hit one rep and then take 20 minutes off, hit my next rep. So I wasn't able to hit nearly as much as I wanted to. Um, plus, I also crash dieted like two weeks out from like 192 to like 182, um, which for, wasn't good either. There's a whole bunch of stress going on. Justin, you know, uh, you know a little bit about that. Um, Barely, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was telling you about that. I was like, I was going through a really rough time in my life. So a lot of things compounded, you know, and that's what led to my um, not ideal performance at nationals but anyway that's the story behind the uh the squat um the bench press was uh, actually my, my coach just asked me to do a one rep max test this past week so that was on program that was what i was supposed to do and so they told me to work up to something hit uh 380 and that's not the reason why um that's on there and the deadlift i um the deadlift 
people in the powerlifting world also know that my grip tends to be my weak point in the deadlift. So I've been training my grip all the way up until Raw Nationals, and I was very, very confident I was going to hold on to all three attempts. And uh, unfortunately, um, the USAPL decided to use a brand new bar that no one's ever used before. Like they debuted it for the first time. Um, it's a Titex bar, and uh, Titex is a good company, but the knurling on their bar is absolutely dog shit. So um, the knurling, for people who don't know, is the um, the grind marks in the bar, basically like the part that makes the friction, um, the, it increases the friction of the bar, so it makes it easier to hold on to, and that's the part that cuts up your hands or gives you calluses. So you want a lot of sharp knurling on the bar, especially during deadlift, so you can hold on to it. And this knurling was very very smooth right so when i got up to hold the bar um mind you i bought a titex bar leading up to nationals because i'm like i know the knurling is, is that the suck. one that has the lock on it yes that that's the one that has yeah. the lock on it there's so, one bar at outlift and it's got a fucking padlock on it and i remember walking in one day and looking at it, i'm like what the fuck is this yeah that, someone brought in their own bar that's and my bar it was rob <laughs> that's my bar i bought it because i'm like i i know we're deadlifting on this, yeah. right? And well, that's smart. Squatting that's very event. smart. Yeah, I want to train on what I compete with, right? But so, it wasn't the same at all. Mm-mm. No, they debuted that <laughs> brand new bar, and they're like, "Oh, it's got brand new knurling. It's updated. All this bullshit." No, was ev- were, was everyone complaining about it? Yeah, everybody was. I mean, even like Ray Williams. Do you guys you know who Ray Williams is? I know the name. He's um a big dude, um 120 plus kilo class. He squats over a thousand pounds. <laughs> he was on um ESPN actually. Um, for how much he squats, but he's you know absolutely hands down the strongest powerlifter in the United States currently. Um, really? So he's super strong. Even more dude. than uh, what's that guy? What's the guy in Colorado? The bald guy. Colorado. World's strongest man. But he does strongman, so strongman's a little different. Same. I think yeah. this is where we fucked up the first time. Okay. A little different. Got this is um <laughs> yeah he competes in uh the IPF and and USAPL. Got um, it. Okay. But really nice dude and um. He was complaining about the bar too as well. I mean, everybody's complaining about it. It was terrible. But that's why the deadlift was only at 644 at Nationals and then uh, 735 uh, the following week after, actually. Because I asked my coaches, I'm like, listen, can I pull on a good bar and then do, you know, do what I feel I can do? And they're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. So I pulled that. Uh, mind you, I had straps. I pulled, I think, 700 with just my hands, and then I moved up to straps uh, afterwards and did 735. But that's the reason for the disparity between those numbers. That's insane, man. That's my grip right. starts going after 405. I did yeah, 405 four. for one rep today. That's great. Well, that's fucking awesome. Great for me, dude. But you, do, <laughs> you do full pronated, though. You have your hands forward. Yeah, so I don't want to tear hands. my bicep. I've heard stories. So when you so am, when am you, I right? Am I right with that? I mean, as long as you don't bend your arms too much, you'll be okay. You know, I mean, like it's but it's a possibility. It's, isn't it's it? a risk, but I mean, like as long as watch yourself on video. You know, if you're getting a little bend in your arms, then you know, try to stay away. But um, you know, keep your arms locked as much as you can. Like I always tell my clients, there's a, a cue I use like long arms, right? So like um, hard to describe it on the on audio only, but basically when you're setting up your deadlift, you want to um tighten up your posterior chain so you set up your back your core your glutes hamstrings all that sort of thing and then the last thing i do before i reach down for the bar is i extend my arms as far down as i can without moving anything else but my arms so i kind of lengthen um my arms out as far as i can so it locks everything out um and if you keep that position then you'll be able to one maximize your leverages and two not incorporate your bicep 
Mm-hmm. So since we're talking about the technicality of deadlifts, I want to say I just started deadlifting maybe like six months ago, seven months ago, like which is super ever? yeah like, ever 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 literally ever. Shit. Okay. I know. Really. Stupid, right? I really? just swear to God. Well, what would you do in replacement? Like, what Nothing. was your I never posterior deadlifted. chain? Just fucking work. rows, ah. cable rows, dumbbell <laughs> rows, damn. lap pull downs. Bro, so Damn, dude, I'm sorry I didn't know. You know what it was? I wasn't educated on how much strength and just power you can get in your back and legs from a deadlift. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew, I always heard it was a staple move, but I hated it. I, I'm telling you the <laughs> truth. I always hated it. Always hated deadlifting. It took so much energy. And I'm, I don't know. I was just fucking lazy. But as soon as I started doing it, and I remember I was asking, remember I was asking you, uh, yeah, technique, yeah. technique stuff. Caitlin and I were asking you for technique advice, and uh, bro, deadlift is like the best thing you could do for your back. Yeah, and yeah, overall, you don't have to go heavy either, like to therapeutically help your back. Like if you're just someone who wants to strengthen your back and increase longevity, like just doing it with any any machinery, whether it be barbell, kettlebell, you know, even dumbbell, or even body weight, just doing that motion keeping your posterior chain which would be anything along your spine your hamstrings your anything from your ankles up to your back you know up to your neck if, to strengthen that yeah. I, mean, that's I mean how so important, important. Is, is the deadlift i mean we're built to pick things up right and that's what the deadlift is so like you said like people like they think the deadlift you know like a lot of people think that the deadlift is like you're gonna, something you're going to hurt your back with, right? Mm-hmm. When it's the complete opposite. As long as you're not hyperextending or overflexing your um, hyperflexing your uh, your spine, you're basically you're going to be okay, right? And if you don't have any like underlying issues like herniated discs, you know, from previous injuries or whatever, you'll be okay. You just have to know how to deadlift correctly first. And fortunately, like we talked about with the internet already, there's so much information out there that you can use to your advantage, right? Like. Uh, people back from the, like, the golden day of like you know bodybuilding and like you know commercial gyms and all that sort of thing, hundred percent always hurt the back. They don't know how to do it, so I'll try my best to describe how to stay tight on the deadlift and how to like make sure you do it correctly even as a beginner. Um, so what I generally want to do is I set up a deadlift from the top down. So I'll have somebody start with the barbell in their hands. Um, and what I have them do is go down a couple different muscle groups and just tighten them up individually. Now, um, to be honest, um, I prefer to have somebody to have the proprioception to control each muscle individually before they can do this. Um, otherwise we'll just go through bodybuilding movements first, create muscle proprioception, and then go through this drill. Um, proprioception basically just means, um, being able to control your individual muscles or muscle groups collectively through space, right? Or through, or under load. So like, if you want to like say, you know, guys out there who can't do the pec dance yet, haven't done, you know, enough, you know, <laughs> bench press or, um, or pushups yet. But when you can control each individual pec, for example, and I just automatically did it yeah, without yeah. realizing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's muscle proprioception. Like so you can learn to control you know, individual muscles as you go along. I can't right? do it. You can't <laughs> I, do it? I can't individualize them. I can can't? only go together. Like, I can go really slow. Yeah, I don't really know if I'm good at that. But I got... <laughs> oh, no, we got it. You got it? There you go. Right? I'm not you like... It. You know who does it really good? The Rock. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Dude, he makes them, like, flap around individually. He's a it's mess. It's fucking crazy. He's, he's a house. It's like, of course, he, Seriously. out of everyone, would be able to do that. 
Yeah. He br- you know he brings a gym with him on to movie, movie sets? Set? Like a state-of-the-art like circus tent mm-hmm. with every piece of machinery that you could possibly ask for. He's, He's fucking rock. genius. He, that's genius. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> Just like this giant tent <laughs> for this fucking gorilla. <laughs> To just run free. It's got his, like, bullhorns and yep, shit. Yeah, the Under Armour. Oh, man. What it's like to be a multi-multi-millionaire. When you're the trying to be Hercules, scene. you gotta do what you gotta do. Literally. That, that man <laughs> Literally. Is, yeah. Is that a movie coming out? I'm guessing. No, know. years ago it came out. Uh, the yeah. Rock in Hercules? A couple years back, right? Sure. Yeah, me. Uh, up to date on my uh, <laughs> pop culture, bro. <laughs> it wasn't a great movie. I'm sorry. See, that's I'm sorry, I well, you're talking to Mr. fucking Xerxes over here. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I have Hercules on my arm. Oh, I, I, just, I don't know. That's, that's all. awesome. Zeus, Hercules. Zeus it's is like in all my, the, yeah. my bicep. So what would Zeus and Hercules be in Father and son. Xerxes, bro. Oh, uh, <laughs> Xerxes. father and son. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so before, you touched very lightly on the use of steroids in competition. Mm-hmm. And I would love to open that topic up. Do you see this a lot in... In your competitions, do you see a lot of use of the anabolics for for winning? Um, well, it's it's hard to say. I mean, so the USAPL and the IPF are drug tested federations, right? Drug tested is important because not necessarily drug free. Unfortunately, I'm sure there's people who some some people just slip through the cracks. You know, um, I can't say if somebody. I, I, this is kind of like a tricky line to dance on because there are some people who people think are using but and are winning, right, by like vast margins. But if they're passing their tests, right? Now, people say they've got great chemists or they just know their way around the drugs and all that sort of thing in the tests. But, I mean, if, if they pass, they pass, and I can't really say anything about it, you know? All I have to do is the absolute best that I can and then just compete against them. So... I really, I don't see, it's hard to say, man. I mean, I can't see anybody, like, winning because of drugs in the USAPL and the IPF. Like, meaning, like, I can't, like, say, point out somebody and be like, oh, they're absolutely using, right? I mean, some people just have, you know, um, awesome genetics. You know, they've got good talent or they got good coaching. They've been working at it a really long time. Um, some people are just built a certain way and they, you know, people look at them and they're like, oh, they're on steroids. Oh, they're on this. Oh, they're on that. And like, honestly, you can't say that. You know, you don't know what their background is. You don't know how long they've been training. You don't know what, what the story is, right? Um, they're, the only time when I'm suspicious is when we're talking about a federation that's not drug tested, right? Where, for example, like the USPA, which just recently established a drug tested division within their federation, but prior to that was a non-drug tested federation, right? For that, I don't know. It for that, I mean, like, it's on the table, you know. I mean, like, there's, it's basically saying we will not test you for steroids, we will not test you for PEDs. So the option is there, right? So if somebody says they're going to compete in that, but not in the IPF, I have, I have to question why. You know, like if you're a natural athlete and, um, you know, you want to be competing with other natural athletes, I feel like currently there's no other way to do it other than competing in the IPF or its affiliate countries. Right. I mean, and once you're in that, just 
do the right things, you know, and then you sh you're going to pass your drug tests. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, I'm giving you a kind of like a really shitty answer, but there's yeah. like, <laughs> no, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, like, it, ideally, it, technically, it's supposed to be drug free, you know, but I'm sure there are people who know what they're doing, you know, and they know how to get by certain things, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also, I've come across some people in, um, you know, in the past and recently too, where they say that they're definitely not using, but then they refuse to compete in a federation like this. Mm. Right. And I'm like, okay, well why? Right. And they'll say something silly like, I don't know, they don't like the politics or the equipment they use or something like that. But if you really want to be passionate about being natural, then it only makes sense to compete in the most regulated federation on earth. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's, I totally agree because I feel like if you're going to do, you, know, you have the option of, of taking the performance enhancing drugs, right? You have yeah. that option and you could just go full fledged and you just want to be the strongest person out there and you're competitive. You're going to go into those and you're just going to neglect your, uh, oh, I'm sorry, which one, what, uh, Federation? IP, it's not IPA. IPF, yeah. IPF, right. Um, so you're just going to completely neglect that. But it, then to deny going in there, if you know everyone's natural and you are natural yourself <laughs> and you are that high performer, why wouldn't you just go in there and knock the doors off of it? You know, it's it's a weird, yeah. So I feel like. That's exactly that's my sus, point, too. It's very suspect. You know, like I've met some people who claim to be world class and then they refuse to compete at that level, but claim, also claim natty. Yeah. Right. So, oh, it's, so it's like it's, it's very them. weird, who, like baffling type of circumstances people who like claim natty like in your face like no dude i'm natural and like push it it's like all right why are you who are you trying to prove mm -hmm. like you see those instagram profiles where they go uh natural in yeah. their instagram bio it's like <laughs> why what why are you fucking pushing natural like obviously yeah. you're not yeah you're yeah. lying exactly i forgot what president said this i think it's one of the roosevelts but they said or he said that like having power is like being a lady. Like you, if you have to say you are, then you're not. So if you have to say like, oh yeah, like like I'm a, I'm a lady, I'm this and that. No, you're definitely not. If you have to tell me that, then you're definitely not that. Mm -hmm. You know, you that. just <laughs> act like it, and then you are. You know, don't have to say it. Yeah. Don't tell me you're natural. Just do what you got to do. You know. Like lead through action. Yeah. You know exactly. Right. If you're a high level performer and you're natural and you do everything you're supposed to be doing. You know, you you train like an elite athlete should. It will show. Yeah. So let me ask you. Um, so you're very, very high level in what you do. Uh, you're super passionate about it, as we could tell. Um, what downfalls do you find pursuing such a passion and being so regimented and so strict? You kind of brushed over it before saying, like, you made sacrifices for your competitions. But do you right. notice that your training or and work get in the way of anything in your life? For being so passionate and so goal-oriented, do you feel like that gets in the way of other things? And is it hard to keep balance in life? Um, it was hard to keep balance in the beginning, but then you eventually grow to just get used to it in a way. Um, the biggest sacrifices, I, at least right off the bat that I could think of, are like social events, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and like just family and friends. Like people don't understand that you can't sit down with them and eat whatever they're eating for example, right? And, like, food is such, a, like, a huge cultural thing and a huge, like, you know, uh, it, it's a huge, like, social, I don't know what the right word is, but... um, Construct. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
so like that is a huge thing right people don't understand that and it kind of like makes people be like i I just they get a little bit upset you know Mm -hmm. and like you know people like you know your media family you know significant others they understand right and they support you but also they can't relate on that right and so there's a little bit of a gap in that sense especially when you're performing at a level like i'm trying to get to right or i don't ever want to say that i'm there because i feel like you know of course but um but you're there but i'm just (laughs) (laughs) i said said it (laughs) but it's like you know like if you i'm trying to be the best in the world right and to be the best in the world you have to do things people are unwilling to do so that's one thing for sure that is a sacrifice another thing is just a lot of my time that i'd like to do you know like spending to do other things like um going traveling or you know i like to go fishing so going fishing things like that you know hanging out with friends i can't because i have to train or i got to get my sleep or i have to do mobility work or whatever it may be so that's another thing all right um it's also expensive um so when i have to travel for example to the arnold i gotta i have a, a plane ticket which cost me i'm sure like over 300 bucks to get there I got to spend a couple of days prior to the competition to acclimate to it, you know, and that that's hotel costs, that's food costs, um, you know, all that adds up. And if I compete three times a year, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pushing out a lot of money depending on where we're at. Do you have a sponsorship? I don't have a sponsorship. I have anybody, sure SPD, they... Titan, anybody who wants a Rogue who wants to sponsor me, you can go for it. <laughs> we know you're listening, Rogue. Yeah. <clears throat> no, but I'm pretty sure because that's what they, they cover a lot of the times. Sometimes you know, in the do. beginning, instead of like a salary, they'll just cover all your your training expenses, your competition expenses. Yeah, um, I don't have any sponsorships, but unfortunately, in powerlifting, because it's not insanely popular, although it's growing in popularity, um, the sponsorships are really only for people who have like achieved very high level in the sport. So they've won nationals, they've gone to worlds, things like that. You know, I've contacted SBD before and they actually mentioned that to me that you the only sponsor junior and open level athletes who have won nationals. So, I don't I know think, if that'll be changing in the near future, but you Well, know. here's what I was going to say. I think with uh proper social media following and also like social media presence. Yeah. Sponsors, you know, companies will be like, "Oh, let's let's fucking get this guy." Oh, and he's fifth in the world. Right, Fuck that's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, social media is a huge factor so, uh, now as well. You're right, and it's. I feel like now big companies can start to they sponsor you, and then they could actually alleviate you of the stresses that might be constricting your progress. Right, so like if you have to work constantly day to day, you're putting up putting on a lot of stress. And mm-hmm. I know you're a trainer, right? Mm-hmm. And like that is probably one of the most deg- not degrade physically degrading, demanding. demanding. It like it knocks you down though. It does pick at you, and it it kind of just makes you weaker throughout the day you just get tired like it pulls so much energy out of me like when i was training full-time and i was doing six hour days seven hour days where i would just have seven clients in a row maybe 10 clients if it was half hour clients every once in a while it was just mm. like man it was just killing me it was pulling all of the emphasis you have to be energy up here for each yeah, client right every client 100%. it was just fresh start like hey like, how all right, you doing? let's go i want to retain you so i need to make sure i'm happy around you and it was just like towards the last couple of clients i was like i don't even want to see weights anymore i don't want any <laughs> so like you're submerged in that in that place and i feel like if someone was just able to sponsor you for at least equipment or at least the travel fees 
you'd have so much less stress on you to then perform at a higher level, to then rank higher, to then yield more money and then pay your sponsors and then create this symbiosis. Right, exactly. I think as the sport gets more and more popular and eventually as it gets towards the, hopefully the Olympic level, mm-hmm. then we'll see more sponsorships for high-level athletes on a broader scale. But on, until that time comes, you know, that's just another like little stress. I'm just saying it because you asked the question. Of I course. mean, I'm, I'm happy to pay you know, my travel fees and hotel fees because I love the sport. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever stop, honestly. I mean, I think I'll be doing it until I'm dead, yeah, right on. you know? Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's just another thing that I just have to, like, <laughs> sacrifice. Right? How I did could... Rob die? Well, when he was 90, <laughs> he thought he could deadlift 700 still and yeah. snap his whole spine in half. <laughs> Flew right out of his Typical back. Typical Rob. <laughs> oh, Rob. <laughs> uh, That's great. So, really quick, I'm, I see your shirt. It says Ali Training Systems. Yeah. So, is this a personal brand or is yeah, so this is my um, my company that I have where I do all my coaching out of. So I, like you said, I'm a trainer at Outlift Athletics, and um, I do all my in-person training there, and I do online training as well for my um, my online clients. And most of my online clients are competitive, so they compete in the USAPL. Some compete in Southeast Asia. Um, oh, shit. But yeah, I mean, I I come I coach a lot of um, a lot of clients all across the world, and. Is that the Thailand thing that was in that's in your Instagram bio? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that? So last year in April, um, I was in Thailand with um Lane Norton was there and Holly Baxter, his um his girlfriend right now. And we were there to do some seminars in Thailand for powerlifting. So he did uh primarily nutrition based seminar where he was talking about just, you know, optimum nutrition for athletes and, you know, kinda like introducing that to the people in Thailand. And I was go ahead. Lane Norton. Who is that? It sounds really. Was on, that's uh, really big, pump. right? Yeah. He was on my. He's pump. a big dude awesome. in the fitness industry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a revolutionizing industry. What awesome does he dude. own? Um, he owned. He owned a company. He owns a uh, BioLane. Is the one of his companies? BioLane. BioLane. Yeah. Was he on Joe Rogan? Not my. Pump. He was. Yes, he was on actually, Joe Rogan. He yeah, was just recently on Joe Rogan. He's a very big uh, uh, Dom D'Agostino. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was doing okay, that debate. Yes. So he was talking about uh, the ketogenic diet, but he's a lot less keto. Yes, than yes. So Dom Diagostino. It wasn't my pump. I it knew, was, I knew yeah. that name. Dom yeah, Diagostino is um, more on the ketogenic wagon than Bio. Um, Bio Lane. Lane Norton is. <laughs> That's how I right? know. Him, so. Yeah, yeah. So, but and Lane. His wife is fucking smoking. <laughs> <laughs> ah, dude. Yeah. No, she's like, she's from Australia. She's from Australia. Yeah. She's, yeah. Of she's like, of she's course. Two time fitness model, uh, world champion fitness model, something yeah. like that. Um, I think it's two times. Sorry, Holly, if I fucked that up. Holly. Yeah, um, so, anyway, Thailand, you were doing a seminar. Yeah. Um, so, we're doing a seminar. Uh, he was doing nutrition, and so was Holly. And um, I was doing it on a like powerlifting, like one on one, like introducing the Thai people to what powerlifting is, um, technique, and we did a practical as well. Um, you no, know, just some basic things on like weight cutting, rules and regulations of competition, that sort of thing. So, uh, did a couple days seminar with them, and then um, John Coyle, who's one of my friends in Thailand, and uh, his company JC Worldwide had set up a federation for Thailand to be the um, the latest country in the IPF. So they'll be competing in Worlds in hopefully 2020. Um, John will have that all figured out, so don't quote me on that. But 2020, I believe, is the mark right now for talent to be in the World Games. So um, that's why I was there. And uh, that's where I made a lot of my contacts in Southeast Asia. And I'll be going back there again. I can actually say that now because I actually officially confirmed that I'll be back in uh, in April this year, 2019, um, to do some more seminars in Thailand and possibly 
one other country in Southeast Asia. I'll release that on social media when we confirm it. Um, but it's going to be either the Philippines, uh, China, or Singapore. So um, we'll let you guys know which one of those three it is, in, including Thailand, if we decide we can branch out to that and expand a little bit. Damn, dude. That's, that's such a beautiful place to go to. On top. Yeah, that amazing. probably puts you in such a nice mental place. Yeah, just the, being there, the Philippines. I haven't Indonesia. been there yet, but I mean, Thailand is amazing. They Th- call it the land of smiles. Yeah, I right? bet. It's awesome. Can't stop. It's just beautiful. looking around like, damn, the water is unreal colors. And like, just the, I mean, everything about Thailand. I just see pictures. I'm like, I got to go. Yeah. I got to go. There. But that's awesome. beautiful, though. That's beautiful. You're at the front line of all that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm honored, honestly. I'm really, I didn't think I was going to be at that point in my career now. Right, it's, yeah, it's weird. Like saying. when it happened, I was like, "This is unreal." Like, you want me to to yeah to come? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so I, I met John um, when I was refing at a competition in upstate New York, and he sat down next to me to do the referee tests, and I was kind of like testing him in a way to be like, "You know, what would you see on this lift? What would you see on that lift? That's a red light or a white light. What's good? What's bad?" And we started talking. And he's a businessman, right? So we started talking about business. Um, I have my company, Alley Training Systems. So I'm starting basically where he was eight years ago. And we just hit it off and we started you know, connecting, started talking on Skype when he went back to Thailand where he lives uh, most of the year. And eventually he just said, I was like, dude, I've got Lane coming out here. Why don't you come out and do this seminar? And that's kind of how we got started. Um, so I'm, I feel very, very lucky and honored to be a part of this and, uh, you know, have influence in Southeast Asia and to grow a powerlifting in a brand new country that Hell didn't yeah. have it before. That's but so that's, cool. a tr- yeah. that's a, that's like building schools. love for the, for the sport. Oh my God. Yeah. True love right there. Yeah, you're like, oh, you guys don't have this sport. I'm going to bring this sport to you. Yeah. You're it's not just doing it. You're teaching it in and fucking not just teaching it here, but you're, you're teaching it in countries that have never seen it before. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird to say, that's you know, fucking it's sick. weird to say that. it's like very that's surreal. Dumb. You know, but yeah, I'll be going back again to hopefully expand that even further and, you know, hopefully spread, you know, love of powerlifting, you know, more throughout the world, (laughs) man. Spread the love. Love of powerlifting. (laughs) How long do you, how long do you stay there? Like when you go, because I know it's a really long flight. So what do you do? Like two weeks? Yeah. Last time I was there for two weeks. Um, This time I'll be there for two weeks as well. I would stay longer. I just have, I got my clients here who I can't stay of course. You know, away from. So like, you know, I think two weeks is probably the limit. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Two weeks is like not too much to where like you miss everyone at home, but just enough to be like, I got shit done. Yeah, you know? for sure. And, and get, get a get lot acclimated. of work done in two weeks. And it's a good amount of time to acclimate to, you know, to the time zone there. Cause it's a yeah. 12 hour shift. Yeah. It's unreal. You're going, you're flying to the future 12 hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> now it's crazy. Cause I went to Australia and we, you go from, That's uh, awesome. it was like 14 hours and then 15 yeah. hours when you go up to Cairns, which was like right near the, the, the equator. So they had like okay. daylight savings and there's 15 hour difference, which is like completely opposite of everything here. Yes. So it's like 100%. the middle of the night versus the middle of the afternoon. Over there, where it's just completely polar opposite. So you need at least a week to get acclimated, and then you have a nice week, and then you come back, and then you're fucked again. Start all over. It's like you get the flu when you get back. That's really awesome. bad. I'm jealous of you, man. I want to get to Australia. It's it's so worth it. Yeah. The whole East Coast, same. It's incredible. Should have taken me. New Zealand. I should have, right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it just seems so like a beautiful that. place. It's that's incredible. It's just no, I'm I in mean, love with the accent. I'm in love with the you know, the culture, at least from what I could see. Because yeah. they have it's, a big lifting community too. Huge, yeah, calisthenics. Huge lifting. Very community. big calisthenics. Yeah. 
over there. At least that's the crowd or we push, hung out with. Push them to do some seminars over there. Yeah, yeah right. I would Fight love to boys. do that, some seminars in Australia. Um, JP Kalki's, um he's a 66, or he might be a 74-kilo uh, powerlifter right now, owns a gym called Fortress, or he used to work at Obsidian, one of the two. Um, but he's a you know huge name in powerlifting as well. And Nathan Tannis, who just set that world record in the squat, mm-hmm. also trains in Australia. Um, and he's also he's from Australia. So, I mean, I would love to get out there and train with them and do some seminars and all that sort of thing. Hell That'd yeah. be awesome. Australia is like if you took California, made it with Hawaii, and then populated it with Canadians. <laughs> It'd be that. And Dude, it's, it's, that sounds that's perfect. perfect. It's per- It's amazing. It's fucking amazing. But then they then they have giant fucking spiders though. They do. They have huge. Sp- I have videos on my phone to show you guys oh, the God. spiders that we saw. They that's actually the- have spiders there, right? So like we uh, <laughs> we climbed this this mountain called Walsh's Pyramid, which is the f- tallest freestanding. It's the tallest freestanding uh, natural pyramid in the world right so like okay it's just basically a mountain by itself like an isolated mountain. <laughs> so I, gotta get, I gotta drink for this one um so basically they have these huge but this huge butterfly swarm in the during the spring like they they come out and they the gusts of wind the way that the wind acts on this pyramid it blows all of the the flies and the insects and the butterflies up the side of the mountain all the way to the peak and there are these giant spiders, giant, like the size of my hand. That's Fuck that, that they set up they set up <laughs> the webs in the top of the trees at the peak of the mountain. And when we made it up to the top of the mountain, we were walking. Think about a pyramid, right? Like it's always an incline. There's mm-hmm. no breaks, right? So we were just walking, looking at our feet, looking at where we were putting our feet the entire time. So once we got to the top, we're like, ah, nice. We get to relax here. We're sitting up there enjoying the view for a little bit. And then we go to get down and we're just looking straight now, finally. I mean, as you look straight, you could see a little up and we're like, what is this little speck? Oh my God. Like hands, just like take my hand, cut it off and just plop it a hundred times shit. all up on the top of the trees in the canopies. They have these webs constructed so that when the wind blows all these butterflies up the side of the mountain, they get caught in there and then they eat the, they eat these butterflies. Wait, so you had to walk oh under God. all those? It, dude, we're crawling under them. Like right here. It was Holy like right shit. here. Just huge spiders. I don't uh, know if I could bring myself to do that. I would have passed out. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll never do it again. Up. I'll never do it again, but we made up. it up there and we we're like, all right, Jesus. we got to get down. Dude, the spiders are no joke there. The sp- but are the spiders real. only in the and north? The snakes. In the northeast, so, I heard. So the north, that's where we were the entire time. Okay, so Queensland. you got to go to Melbourne. So we didn't Melbourne, go to Melbourne. down south. So Melbourne is like the. Melbourne. Melbourne is like, Melbourne. Is like I want to say like the San Francisco, San Diego. Of, of uh, Australia, of Australia, the hippies and of then, Australia. The hippie it's like hippies. hippies, but like more it's modern. It's hipster. Like you'll get hipster. Yeah, that's what it so is. So it's a little bit more modern. I follow hippies. people on Instagram from yeah, there. Like, Mel- super hipster. Like you'll have like the, yeah, and then Brisbane, Brisbane is in the middle of the East Coast, so it's like the equivalent to like South. Uh, what the hell is it? Like South Carolina in the U.S. on mm-hmm. the East Coast, like mm-hmm. that height. And uh, that's where, like, all the cool calisthenics workout guys. Like, if you see anybody who works out, it's usually in Brisbane. Like, gotcha. Sydney or Brisbane are, like, the bigger ones. Um, and then as you get up towards Queensland, that's where you get all the snakes and the the spiders okay. and all the So just the don't go northeast. Areas. Yeah. Stay down south. It's the beautiful. Do it. I mean... It's the beautiful. <laughs> nah, fuck that. Stay down south. Yeah. So if you want, like, that Thailand water and, like, that crystal clear shit, that's where you go to Cairns, which is in that, like, the – it looks like a – Australia looks like a dog. It's that ear that mm-hmm. top right corner okay. looks like an ear. That's okay. cans. Or you just go to That's Bali. Spot. Bali. You go to Bali, but too. I heard in, Bali in got like 
a bunch of wash up of like debris and shit on their beaches and from like, what a tsunami from just like the plastics hmm. that are in the ocean like that spot gets gathered a lot uh-huh. that's what I heard and and then like erosion on the beach not shit talking Bali but I don't really know much about it so <laughs> I'm not gonna talk I've heard it. it's better in pictures I don't know I can't say yeah because I, I never heard anything good from people who went there like good as in how good it it's been proposed like how Bali I guess I guess awesome. now thinking about it the only good I've seen of Bali is like social media extravagant like over the top videos and photos. Yeah, if right. you want a you know? beautiful, if right. you want to go somewhere beautiful, at least in Australia, you go Whit Sunday, the Whit Sunday Islands. It's like you take a seaplane over there. It's right near the the Great Barrier Reef. It's just I'll show you guys pictures. It's unreal. Like if you ever do, I want to see the spiders. The spi- I have the videos of the spiders. It's unreal. Can't it's fucking gross. wait. That'd be Their dope. asses are like. <laughs> like the ab, whatever the ab. Are you thing. serious? Is that, like that big? Huge. Are you serious? Like the span is the size of my hand, except their ass is like black widow status. Like Dude, that you could giant, shoot that with a gun, like and not I'd miss. Say half the <laughs> like you could shoot that spider. Yeah, exactly. Their ass is the bigger than the cork top on there. Ugh. But then their hand, the are those spread camel wide. spiders? Is that right, or is that no? Eastern? No, that's desert. Called, uh, that's Iraq. Iraq is the camel spiders. Okay. I don't know about that. Nasty that ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then we, when we went on, a, we went on a hike, and right across, I have the video of it too, uh, the GoPro video. There was a carpet python that was right across the trail, like just laid across the trail, intertwined through trees and shit. I was like, I've never seen a snake that big, ever, and now it's in the wild with me, and I have to cross it. Huge, and Man. we don't know because I heard brown snakes are like the most poisonous snake in the world, King and they, they're in. So yeah, what'd you do? In, yeah. So we just we walk past it, and then I saw that its head was really, really deep into the brush, and like it was the tail end. So we walk by, and I was getting it with my GoPro like this, like just kind of throwing my hands to the side. You're stupid. And then I, it's stupid. all my Instagram. That's, that's how people <laughs> get those videos Instagram. on like on the right? internet, on like live like, leak. Kid yeah, dies like, from boa constrictor. <laughs> <laughs> trying to see the snake, and, and like, his girlfriend Stop! grabs the tail, grabs yeah. your leg, and just fucking rips. Oh, mate, we caught a fucking spider here, mate. Oh, yeah. dude, that's fucking scary. But uh, it's worth it. It's so worth it. But the Australians, like, they don't, they don't care about all this stuff. They're just like, it's normal day. They're just like, them. just stay away from the head, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's just like, okay, I guess. That's good. Uh, I, yeah, I, was, uh, I didn't want to say it. Sense. Makes right? sense. Like, they're so nonchalant about everything. Like, they don't give a fuck, man. I they're, love them so dude, much. Dude, they just awesome. live they in They swim in shark soup all the time. Shark they're soup. always going out. Like, Bondi Beach, they have drones that they fly. Just to look for the fucking, just that's, the silhouette of the oh shark, like, God, through the water. Amazing. It's I've unreal. got a, a client of mine. He's 62 years old right now. Jacked out of his mind, right? More than, like, most, like, 20-year-olds on that train. Or does he go to Outlift? Um, no, he does not go to Outlift. He's been there a couple of times. Um, but he's um, training right now to do a, um, a like, a kind of, like, a mature gentleman's, like, fitness magazine sort of thing right like a photo shoot for that okay so but he's ripped right uh david is his name and he's from australia right of course. and the first exactly, <laughs> right? first time i met him um i was talking with him about all the snakes and everything like that like all the spiders and all that i'm like don't you guys like you know aren't you guys like nervous about walking outside and like you know getting bit by a snake or some shit like that he's like nah it's like you know, like everybody in America's got a gun. And we got snakes, right? And he was telling me this like stories like, like I was going for like, you know, a, a quick walk, you know, a you know, twenty mile walk, something shit like that. And I'm like, twenty <laughs> miles? Because it's like it's so <laughs> spread out over there. Right? right? And oh, he's just man. like, Yeah, you just gotta take like a you know, a belt for a tourniquet 
and then like some extra water and you're fine. <laughs> I'm like, God damn, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's dude, they, so funny. They it's don't so give a fuck. They don't. But when you're born in it, when you're born in it, it's just like, oh yeah, that poisonous snake. Yeah, get get, get out of here. Yeah, They're like chew away. Yeah, they don't give they a don't shit. Give a at sh- all. It's amazing. It, but it, I guess your your norm, right? Like that, you've established that as your norm. It's just like, all right, yeah, well, our norm over here like is just pure New, comfort. We have New we York nothing. City, right? Like people look at New York City, like, oh, you you're in New York, like. You, you you go to Manhattan, right? Like you live in Manhattan, you live in the city. Like it's it's crazy in there, isn't it? I'm like, it's New York City. Like what what do you want from me? Like I have right. what? It's a city. Yeah. But like if we it's live in the, the nucleus of the financial world, like it's right here. Right. And we don't even bat an eye at it, you know. But uh, anyway, the guy in uh, Bondi, we met this guy in Bondi Beach, which is in Sydney. It's like where all you'll see like all these calisthenics videos, like people on the beach in Australia. It's there. It's these like white bars. This guy's super famous. Marcus Bondi is his name. He has the world's strongest chin up at uh, 120 kilos. He has had on what? him. So that's like 240, 250 pounds that he added to his own body weight. And did a chin up, and he's like fifty five. Jesus, old man strength, dude. He's the man, and he does like front levers, and he's not even like that. He's not brolic, like he's shredded, but like he's just typical skinny Australian dude. Like I want to say skinny, but like he's oh, not. He's not that. <laughs> like dude, that strong. He's not as big as he is strong. Like it's such an anomaly. Like when you said before, uh, you don't want to be. What was that term they used? It was actually pretty cool. Uh, that you said you didn't want to look strong, but you wanted to be strong. Unassuming. Unassuming. Yeah. He's the most unassuming man I've ever seen in my life. Like, if he just wore a t-shirt, you'd be like, pussy. <laughs> just, he's jack. He's so strong. So it was just like, these people are freaks. Like, they're just, they're out of their mind over there. It's something in the water you know? in Australia. It's crazy. It's different. Yeah. Absolutely. It's different. It's gotta yeah, there's be. There's testosterone in the water, bro. Has to be. Damn, I want to move. I, Let's go. Bro, if, if I can make money online, I'm moving to either Hawaii, L.A., not LA. I mean, like, just a nice weather. I want, I want Fuck nice LA. weather. I want San Diego. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, you're just if, thinking about weather. I'm just thinking of weather. Yeah, I don't want this. Like, what we have outside right now. Fuck all that. Yeah, it's I'm it's done. too cold, man. It's it's not, not optimal it. for training. It's not at all. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It builds character, but I don't need it. Anymore. Definitely it does. You know, you just get in the car. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> cold, man. You know, it's too cold. It's 28 degrees when I drove out here. Yeah, like, I opened up the door and I was like. Oh, too much. That sucks. <laughs> Get inside. Guys, so, like 20 minutes to warm up. I have a special request question. Okay. From a friend of ours. Let's see if you can guess the friend. I'm going to ask the question. You might be able to guess the friend. <laughs> okay. How is it being that hairy? <laughs> <laughs> this has to be... Is it Mike? Yeah, of course. Fucking I was going to guess that before you. Mike Smith. <laughs> Mike wants to know, how is it living a life being that hairy? He says you are something else. <laughs> Mike, a former uh, guest on the podcast. Just oh, like, was he? Yeah. I didn't hear his podcast. I have to go back and listen really? to Really? Oh, that's that. fucked up. Talking do, you know, do you know who uh, his girlfriend is? Uh, Mike's on the back of your sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frank's like, yeah, Shit. how'd you get that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, how is it being this hairy? Well, <laughs> I've never been asked this before, so I got to take a minute to think about it, but I'm going to say that it's good for the warmer months for sure. <laughs> right. It's nice when I drink a bourbon cause I feel like I, it just like elevates my manlyhood. Um, there you go. it's, it's very easy. It's very easy to get past. I mean, one time 
in college. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm shaving my chest. I did it. And then oh, I felt like absolutely ridiculous. Fucking baby. Just like, Fresh no, out the womb. Dude, it's not me, man. It's not me. I'm just a hairy fucking beast. That's what it is. <laughs> so I just embraced it, right? Help me embrace who I am, right? <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. You got to own that shit. Yeah. That's great. Uh, it is. I Listen, I am who I am. There you go. I love it. That's, That's it. Say. Rep it. <laughs> I, I'd be all over that shit, man. I wish I could grow a beard. I got pubes, man. I got nothing. Yeah, man. Look at this guy's beard. I know. Perfection. Shit. Dude, I mean, that looks, that looks sweet, man. This is all, I got. this is all I got. Don't, don't try I'm, and... I'm, don't try and... I'm making do with what I got. I could never <laughs> do, like, a little bit of facial hair and make it look good. I have to do the full thing. I have to make it look good. That's my problem. But you do, though. That's the thing, man. You <laughs> well, do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's just over here, just like Patched Pirate, you know? I got nothing <laughs> going on on the side. So... I hear you. I'm, we're trying. We're trying out here. If I were to shave it down to, like, just, like, stubble, right here and right here, so, like, on either side of my cheek, there would be, like kind of like one patch each on the other side so i have to grow it to this length so you can't see it oh okay, so gotcha, i'm hiding gotcha. from everybody now, ah, you guys okay, okay. Know. now we know your secret dude yeah now Ready it's out there that's it it's over <laughs> not as cool <laughs> but uh yeah so any other questions over there i'm i i exhausted my questions man you got me with the uh once you turned on the australia thing i was i was on <laughs> i was there yeah i mean we but uh we're over an hour we're an hour and 10 minutes in that's a podcast right there baby Okay. It's the quickest awesome. hour and 10 minutes of your life. So, it was really quick. Hell yeah. yeah. I looked at it before and it was like 56 minutes. I'm like, what the fuck? It felt like 20. <laughs> yeah. I was solid. So, uh, what are, uh, what are future expectations with you? What um, should we expect to watch? Um, well, career wise, just growing. I mean, I'm just planning to grow my clientele list. I'd like to be, um, considered by people that one of the better coaches out there for powerlifting and strength sports. So I'm going to keep expanding my own knowledge and my ability to train my clients, which is already, um, if I am bold enough to say it, very high level as it is. Um, expanding um, the reach of powerlifting throughout the globe. So starting with you know Thailand, expanding throughout Southeast Asia, and you know, hopefully some other countries who aren't currently involved in powerlifting. Um, and then uh, personally, just you know, I, like I said, my goal is to be world champion one day. So um hopefully you know you will see me on the ipf world stage and i'll be going against the best in the world um for the world title and uh it's something i've always dreamt of since i'm like five years old ever since i I saw that there was something called like the olympics like i've wanted to be at that sort of level we don't have that right now in powerlifting but hopefully That'll be in the future. That, I, think I wanted to ask that when you brought it up before. Is that something that's being worked on? Yeah. So the, it's right now recognized by the IOC as a sport. So that's the International Olympic Committee. Um, but it's not an official sport yet, and it's not currently in the games. So at the earliest, it could be within the next two games, summer, the Summer Olympics. That's fucking but soon. But that's not a promise, unfortunately, right? So hopefully it yeah. could be there. And by that time, I'll be, you know, you know, that the average peak of a strength athlete in your early 30s. So we'll see. That would be ideal. That would be the dream. You know, it looks but, like it's lining up pretty nicely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, age I mean, wise like, and everything. If everything goes well with training, you know, I'll be there, you know, even if it's not the Olympics, it'll be the world stage, you know, competing against the best in the world. And hopefully one day I take it and all the hard work is paid off, so, you know, starting from 16 till whenever I take that. And, uh, yeah, man, that's it. Um, 
that's that's what um, you guys can expect. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll share, I can yeah. make all that come to fruition. And uh, yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, I, man, no, I can't no wait doubts. to can't wait to bring you back on when you are world champion. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be happy to come back when I'm on world champion. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But uh, where can people find you on social media? How can they follow you? Follow what you do? How can they your, sign up to journey? be clients? And yes, that especially. Yeah. Um. So I'm most active on Instagram. So my Instagram is Rob Alley Strength. So it's R O B A L I S T R E N G T H. And then my uh, email for coaching is Rob Alley Strength at Gmail dot com. The website is AlleyTrainingSystems.com. Currently under uh, construction, so that's going to be up very shortly. But there you can find out some information about what I offer as a coach. Um, you know, like there will be some resources there for my current clients. And, um, you know, once that's up, I'll be able to post that in Instagram. But uh, Instagram is usually where I'm mostly found and I'll be most active. Facebook sometimes. But, uh, yeah, those two sources would be the best, I would say. And the YouTube channel is going to be coming back as well. So I haven't posted on that in a little while, but there will be some. You know YouTube what? I saw that because I Googled you before you got here. Oh, did you? I was like, let me Google this guy. You know, let's see what <laughs> pops up. And I saw your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, look at this. while back I was my last post. Yeah. So there's going to be some videos coming up there. Um, actually, um, can I plug something real quick? Do it all. Um, so for Thailand, for the Thailand Powerlifting Federation, I'm going to be working with JC Worldwide enterprises on an online academy for powerlifting so we're going to be creating powerlifting 101 201 etc you know from beginner to advanced you know different um topics you know whether it's going to be you know technique for the squat bench deadlift weight cutting uh competition strategies how to look at the scoreboard whatever it is right and we're going to be having that available for the thai people but also it'll be available for anybody else who wants to learn about it so we're going to be um starting that hopefully in january that'll be put once it's um official we decided like the actual launch date well i'll post that out um but that's gonna be something else we um we work on as well so um follow uh thai powerlifting federation on instagram um i believe they have a facebook as well um also follow jcw events for information on that because that's going to be coming out very very soon Okay. All right, Rob. Well, it's Beautiful. Been a, a pleasure having you on. Thank you very and much, guys. Can't wait Thank you for having me on. Hell yeah, we can't wait to have you on in the future. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Can't okay, wait. I'm, I'm going to your deadlift seminar. Oh, yeah, that's right. 100%. <laughs> that's right. I that's on the 22nd at Outlift Athletics. Yep, I'll be there. 100%. Awesome, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, peace. Yep. Thank you for tuning Thank in. You. I'm not fucking leaving. Yeah!